Hey, what's up, guys? This is Pastor Austin from Good Shepherd Church, and this is our podcast. So happy you're tuning in this week to stay caught up on what the Lord's doing in us and through us. I hope this content encourages you. I hope it challenges you, builds up your love for Jesus. Hope you enjoy the message. We love you. What's up? How are we? We good this morning or what? Uh, temperature warms up a little bit. We just go nuts in worship for a little bit. I guess summer's going to be great. Yeah? All right. It's going to be crazy. Um, yeah. Hey, uh, if you're joining us, we are in this series called uh, According to the Spirit. If you haven't been tagging along with us for the whole ride, um, I'm going to just get you caught up to speed real quick. We've basically been looking at different practices or different rhythms, different things that we can do uh, to cultivate a deeper walk with the Lord. Really, that we would just walk with a greater in-depth, greater in-awareness, in-tuneness with the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit uh, wouldn't lead us to do all these just like necessarily wacky or crazy things. Maybe he will, but, but most of what it is is just to be aligned with his vision of reality for our life and for the world that we're living in. And so we do life with Jesus so that we can do life like Jesus did life. And so that's what we're after in this series. And what we've been doing is looking at different practices and different rhythms. And, and I just want to remind everyone this morning that, that the practice is just a means to an end. It is not the end in and of itself. And so we don't just fast to get hungry, but we fast that we would stir up a hunger in our heart for more of the, more of the spiritual things in life. So we'd, that we hunger for the Holy Spirit to be more real to us, more, more in us, and that we'd operate more in Him. And we don't, we don't just like, we don't talk about Christian community for the sake of like, we just want a lot of friends. Like the friends are awesome, but like, but real Christian community is going to help us steer towards, help us be more aligned with who the Holy Spirit is speaking to us in our life, how he's speaking to us in our life. And the same, the same goes with all the things that we've been through, uh, whether that's pace or whether that's the rhythms of your life, that, that kind of daily quiet time we've talked about too. And, and today I want to talk about generosity according to the Holy Spirit. And so I've invited a couple of my friends to come and just share their testimony a little bit. This is Taylor and Sarah Mickelson. Come on up to share. And I just asked if they would open up their heart of what God has done in their finances, in their generosity throughout the last like year. So would you guys just welcome them up to the stage? Uh, so like you said, I'm Taylor Mickelson and I am the middle school uh, director for Good Shepherd here. So that's yeah. a little plug. So if you're Come a middle, middle schooler schoolers. and you yeah. don't know who I am, <laughs> that sucks. You need to be there. <laughs> um, and then this is my wife, Sarah. And just a little bit of background on us. We have been here for about a year and a half as a couple. I actually grew up in this church, but then we came back as a couple. And we've been slowly getting more and more plugged in with the church. And through that, we've grown a lot. Um, and he's been challenging us in a lot of places too. And so that's kind of something that we want to share today as one of the challenges that he's had for us. Yeah, so like Taylor said, we've been plugging in more, growing in our faith and being challenged as well specifically with tithing. And I grew up in the church as well, not this church, but a different church in town. And so I knew tithing was important. It's something that you should do, but I did not fully grasp how powerful it could be and that it's truly an act of worship to the Lord. So as a married couple, we always gave, but it was kind of like, what do we have left over at the end of the month? Or practically looking at the numbers, like what do we think we can do this month? Um, so we were giving, but we were not fully trusting in the Lord with our finances. And for us, we're both teachers, so there's not, not a lot of income there. <laughs> um, and so we were rationalizing, not giving our budget over to the Lord because we didn't feel like we had much to give. 
not a lot of room for error. Um, and so we had to give up some semblance of control, which we liked to hold on to, which was our budget. Uh, we felt like that, that was something we could control. And so we were like, all right, Lord, we're going to trust you with our budget. It's going to be tight, but we're, you know, we're going to be faithful and hopefully obedient. Um, and something that I didn't know when I did this first service is that Austin actually talks about uh, the, the, the scripture that was on my heart when we made this decision. So in Malachi 3.10, um, the Lord talks about testing him in your tithes. And so I felt like that's what the Lord said to me is we needed to be obedient to testing him. Um, and so that was kind of where we came from. We were like, let's be obedient. We'll test him with our budget. So the Lord gave Taylor scripture, but to me, he was like, Sarah, are you in or are you out? And so uh, we made the decision to um, just give right off the top our first fruits and just be like, yes, Lord, we trust you in all things, not just these things over here, but also our finances. And so in saying yes to that, um, we have been, been blessed and the Lord has shown up in so many different ways that weren't even on our radar. They were so random and out of left field. I think the Lord knew those first few months we really needed some encouragement. So uh, he showed up in some big ways and um, it was like he was just saying, I'm there for you. I've got you and I am faithful. Amen. And we were excited to share today because we just wanted to encourage you that the Lord is, while you're here, he's trying to grow you. Um, he's trying to challenge your faith and especially with the stuff that Austin's been talking about according to the spirit and these practices. There is something there whether it's tithing or not, that he's trying to grow you in. And so we were just excited yeah. to, to share because we know he's reaching out and we just, we pray that you guys pay attention. Yeah, so good. Could you, could you share, this is a little off the cuff, but could you share, you shared a lot of examples with Steph, I think when you filmed this earlier, but could you maybe just share one example where like God practically did like show up? Well, one way... Um, that he showed up is we um, we were living in a home that we had just bought. And so, you know, homes are kind of expensive in Colorado. We had been family, for, or not family friends. We had coached with some people, became friends with these people, and they had asked if we would come house sit for them, not just for a couple of weeks, but for like six months. And so we are living at this home for the next six-ish months, and we're able to rent out our home to some other people that need a place yeah. to live. And I mean, we could not even think that up if we tried. So that was just one way that the yeah. Lord was like, I've got you. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, there's other cool ones too. So yeah, we've got some of the story captured, but I would love, I asked Taylor if you would pray um, for just our service this morning. If you've been around for a little bit, we pray every week, we pray for another church in our community. We pray for our tithes and offerings that we would, that we would steward those well, that we'd use those resources for the glory of God. And so I just asked if you'd pray for our service and do that for us this morning. So pray with us, would you? Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much uh, for the tithes and the offerings that we're going to receive today, Lord. And we pray that we'd just be good stewards with them, that that money would go wherever it is needed. Um, we also pray for Campion Adventist Church and Michael Getz, who leads that congregation, Lord. We pray that um, you be with him and his congregation as they go out and bless the community. Um, and Lord, I also pray that you bless this congregation in Austin with the word that he brings today. Um, that it would touch hearts, and that it would, it would change some perspectives, Lord. Um, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Church, can we thank them one more time? Thanks, guys. We have it. We are talking about everybody's favorite topic to talk about in church. Money.
You can almost feel it right as I say it, right? There's kind of like this unspoken thing where it's almost like the perception is, is that you guys don't want me to talk about this topic. And their perception is kind of like, and, and I don't want to preach on this topic. And yet what's, what's interesting, what's fascinating is the Bible's going to go to mention uh, prayer about 500 times. The Bible's also going to go on to mention faith about 500 times. And then I think that's kind of beautiful those two go together because it takes faith to pray. Uh, but the Bible's going to mention money, any guesses? 2,000-ish times in Scripture. And yet we don't talk about it a lot. 11 of Jesus' 39 parables have to do with money in some way. And, a, and 25%, so one quarter of Jesus' teaching overall has to do with money on some level. And so you think about this. If I were to preach a money sermon once a month, how annoyed you all would be with me. How annoying I would feel. And yet my teaching would line up so much more with Jesus' teaching. And so it's, it, we're not doing that, okay? That's not the plan going forward. But it's, it is... It's interesting for me to think about how much we don't like to talk about this and yet how much it's just packed into Scripture. And so I want to I tackle this today, uh, reading a passage that Jesus opens up for us out of Matthew chapter 6. But before I get there, I just want to address really two things uh, for the skeptic in the room. Of like I was the skeptic in this room at one point. And so I want to address really two things. And the first is motive. Motive. Like why is the pastor talking about money right now? Does he need a new pair of shoes? Like Taylor's shoes are pretty cool. Like, does he need a new pair of shoes? Does he need a new car? Like, do they need a new wing added onto the church? There's a lot of kids running around here. Like, maybe they, maybe they need something. And I just want to say, I want to lay before you before we even jump into this, from a motive perspective, I have nothing, there's, there's no need on my end that this is coming out of. Like, I, I, I've been so graciously taken care of, I feel like, by our trustees, by, by you all. Like, I, our, my family's good. We are, we are doing great. And like, I, I don't need stuff. I'm not getting anything out of this sermon for me personally this morning. I'm not getting a kickback on everything that shows up in the tithe box this morning. You know what I'm saying? That's not how this is going to go down. But also, as a church, we, we don't need anything. Like, we, we just don't, we're not in a pickle financially. We're not, we, like, praise God, we came out of this year of COVID and we still have a savings account. So like, that, I mean, that's, that's worth saying, thank you, Lord, right there. Like we can just go, oh my gosh, God, you've been so faithful. So, okay, yeah, let's do this. Let's clap. Let's clap for the Lord. Yeah, yeah. There were like three of you who wanted to, and then, you know, everyone else was just like, what do we do? So, but like God's been so faithful and he's been faithful through you all, really. Like this has been a generous church for years. I feel like I'm consistently, Caden and I were down at a conference in Colorado Springs and I just was talking with different pastors this week, just going, yeah, you know what? I'm just consistently reaping fruit of which I did not sow. And so, man, Kent created just this culture here of generosity where we just have generous people and, and that shows up. Like we don't, need, we're good as a church. There, if you look around and if you have ears and you have eyes, like you can see that there is some dated stuff that we're working with as a church here. And we'll talk about some of the upgrades that we kind of hope to make in the future. But I don't want to get into the details of that today because it's not what it's about. Like we're not taking a special offering after this message so you can like unclench your purse. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not coming after your purse today. I want the Holy Spirit to show us, like my motive in this is that the Holy Spirit would show us exactly how we're stewarding and using the resources that he's given us for his glory and for his name going forth into this world. Like that's, that's all I want to consider this morning. That's my motive. The other thing I think we have to talk about before we tackle the text is we have to go, um, well, what's the structure of integrity look like here? Because I think that's another skeptical reason that we have with giving towards an institution or an organization. Because because of like the, the way that churches even aren't immune to this, but there have been in places of power, misuse and misappropriation of funding at times. And like, gosh, I wish the church was immune to this, but we're not. 
Like we are imperfect people leading this place. That's just the reality of what this is. And yet at the same time, if you want to jump into our next steps classes, you can hear a little bit more about this, but we have, we have systems in place to try and operate with as much integrity as we possibly can. So we have a board of trustees. Uh, there are five men who serve on that board right now. It's open to men and women. And so maybe someday we'll have some, I know there's some awesome baller women in this congregation in business and personal finance that I hope we have some women on that board one day. But right now it's five men. And, and what they do is they have financial oversight and authority with not only our annual budget, but my salary as well. So I don't know if how you picture me is just up in my office, you know, coming into 2021. I'm like, you know what, gosh, 2020, that was a year. That was a year going to double my salary. That was way, that's just not how it goes. Like I, I don't do that. They, they weigh in, they vote, they determine what's going to be right for me and my family. And then, and then we submit a budget to them. We prepare a budget of where we plan on allocating funds for the year. And that gets their approval and they get to question it line by line. So I also don't just get to sit up in my office going like, you know, man, that's student ministry. I just love those high schoolers so much. Let's dump a hundred grand into that room up there and just see what happens. I thought a high schooler would be like Taylor was excited about that. I thought there'd be some student somewhere that would get into that, but maybe not. All right, fine. You guys don't get the hundred grand, whatever. I'll tell the trustees to forget about it. But that's not what happens either. Like I don't just, I don't just sit on an island and decide where stuff goes. Like there, there's a council of, of people who have authority, they have insight. And these are godly men who care deeply that this place would steward the resources given here well for the glory of God. And so like the other thing that I think just always needs to be addressed because you hear these horror stories is that like, I don't know what anybody gives. I have no idea what anybody gives. And it's like all of our staff, we do not know what anybody gives. There's two people that need to know. Like if you're dropping checks off to Deanna at the main office, like she's gonna, she's gonna know that. There's also gonna be our bookkeeper that knows what people give so that we can put that all together and say, hey, this year you gave this much so you can deduct that from your taxes. Come on, somebody. Like, but outside of those people who need to know, nobody else on our team knows. We don't know. Like that's not a value for us. And, and how dare we ever get into this spot where we go, well, this person's giving this much. So we really need to pay more attention to them. This person's not giving that much. We, we don't really need to pay. Like we just never want that to be something that's on our lips or on our heart. And so we just don't know. We don't pay attention. It's always Ken's pattern that will forever be our pattern as well. We're not going to pay attention to who gives what. Again, it's not, it's not what I'm after. I'm after you being led by the Spirit of God, not by me, but by the Spirit of God to consider what the Bible has to say and to, and to respond to that accordingly. All right? Let me just breathe out a little bit. Let's just breathe and let's jump into the text. Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to be. This is in the, in, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And so Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 19 is where we're going to jump in. So you can turn there with me or to be up on the screen if you want to just read along. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And so I think first take, when we read this passage of scripture, I don't know if you're like me, but I think I hone in right on the command at the very end and the warning at the very end. And you kind of read it with this like daunting piano tone, this like dun, 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 like you cannot serve both God and money. And, and 
And I think we hear it with this heavy warning. And I think when we listen to the scripture that way, or when we read it that way, we miss the beautiful invitation that Jesus leads us in, in the beginning. So he says, lay up for yourself treasure. Like, do, do you see that? When we read through it, did you hear that read? He's like, hey, be careful where you're investing because if you're investing here and then now, everything is, everything is fragile, everything's temporary, nothing's really that secure, but you can lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. So just right off the bat, like I think we, we misread where the emphasis is on this text where Jesus in his generosity is saying, man, lay up for yourself treasure. Right before this, he, he's talking about, he's saying, when you give, when you're going out and giving, don't make this big public spectacle of your gifts, but rather give in secret. For your father who sees in secret will reward in secret. And he said, like, he's going to reward us. Like there's things that he wants to give us. He's a generous God. And I think that what we really have to see when we see this text is that there's an invitation here beyond for us to consider, okay, wait, is my heart serving, is my heart serving God or is my heart ser serving money? Jesus is really inviting us to consider how we see the world, how we see the world. So you see it right here in verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. So what Jesus is not saying in this moment is just like the eye, your eye is like what illuminates the world around you and informs your brain of what is happening in the room. Like that's certainly true. Close your eyes for a second. It's, it's dark. You can't see anything. So if I open my eye, I can see everything. I can see you guys. But what Jesus is saying here is there's something deeper because he's saying if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is unhealthy. And that's just scientifically not totally true. You know what I mean? Like if I get pink eye, it doesn't mean I also got like a broken foot. So what does Jesus actually mean here? What he's saying is that the way you perceive the world, the way you look out and see the world will affect all of you. And so the way that you look out and see is going to affect what you think about. The primary things that we think about are going to be the things that are right in front of us that we're looking at. And the things that we think about most often are going to find their way into our heart. And we're going to start loving those things. We're going to have to be emotionally attached to those things. And the things that we are in love with and emotionally attached to are the things that drive our actions. And so the things that we do come out of a place of what we love in our heart, and that is going to be reinforced by the things that we think, and all of that comes down to how we see. And so what Jesus is saying here is you have to consider how you're seeing the world. I think really what, what he's breaking down is there's two primary ways you can see the world. You can see God as generous, or you can see God as stingy. Like you can, you can look out and you can see the world that we're living in. You can see all the limitations that God has put on your life. You can see the things that you don't have. You can see the resources that you need to protect. You, need to, you can see the things that you need to guard. Or you can see the world for all of the good and generous gifts that God has given. And so Jesus here is saying, lay up for yourself treasure in heaven. Don't, don't put all your treasure here. Don't invest here where moth destroys stuff and thieves can break in and steal. Like, it's so, it's so funny to me how there's so many things that we find security in that actually just make us stressed out. It's like your home value. It should be something like, man, I got a home. Thank you, God, for making it secure. And yet, like, I'm, man, I'm watching the housing market. I'm like, man, how long is this bubble going to go? So just, and then we'll shallow it down here. And you're just like, it's stressing you out. And may, okay, let's, let's make this a little more real life for right now. Uh, fixed income, social security, or people with a retirement account. How many of you, like two years ago, you felt kind of steady about how that looked, but now with the global pandemic and the, and the government's just kind of printing money, like we're playing a game of Monopoly or something like that. And now all of a sudden my dollar is maybe not looking like it's going to be as strong as it was 10 years from now, 15 years ago. What are the ramifications if they just keep printing stuff? Oh, I see. Nobody came to talk real talk today in church. That's fine. Um, <laughs> Like these things that should be making us secure are the fact that we have reliable transportation, the fact that we have a home that we can live in, the fact that we have social security, these things 
oftentimes are what are causing us the most stress. Why? Because we live in a world where everything's fragile. Anything can be taken away from you. It's all finite. And so the invitation from the generous God of the Bible is saying, don't invest here. Man, man, invest in heaven's economy. Invest elsewhere where all of this stuff is going to be staying for forever, where it's going to be permanently valuable, where it's going to be awesome and never tarnished in any way. And so, like, God is so generous. Amen? He's so generous. When I just, like, think about the good gifts that he's given us, uh, the first thing that I think about is, this probably just shows you what's in my own heart, but I think about food. Food, like, food doesn't have to taste good. There's plenty of food. I had a bowl of oatmeal this morning and it sustained me and it's nourishing me, but it just was fun. Like it just tasted bleh, whatever. Like it's just oatmeal. Come on, Daniel fast people. Where are you at? How, like, what, like the flavor of what's the flavor of mush that we're having for dinner tonight, right? Oh, rice and beans again. Awesome. Like that'll give me energy for tomorrow, but it doesn't taste like anything, but praise God. He's made amazing things like fajitas and tacos and steak and ah, oh, just like all this good food. I'm so, it's 11.39. I'm ready for lunch. Okay, so it's not just that he's made good food. He's made the beautiful world that we live in. Like how lavish was he in his beauty that he created and none of it's necessary. I don't need to be able to look at the beautiful Rocky Mountains. I don't need a beautiful sunrise to come up. I don't need a beautiful sunset. But all of it is God's generously pouring out his beauty into the world. None of that's necessary for human life. And yet I just can like look at it and I get lost in the beauty of the world he's created. I think about um, how how he didn't have to make you like your work. Right? Some of you, maybe you don't like your work. So just forget this point for just a second. Some of you actually like your work, right? And yet it's like, how good was, is God that he's given us these personalities that we actually get to go to work. We actually get to enjoy the things that we do. So I don't know if a lot of y'all know this, but Katie's a dental hygienist. So I, like, as soon as I say that, I don't know what kind of like response that triggers in you. Maybe you like hate the dentist and you're like, ah, don't mention the dentist. Church is church. But she like, like on a, if you think about what she does, she gets in your mouth and cleans all that nasty stuff up. And she likes it. <laughs> like praise God for putting people on the earth who actually like cleaning up the junk in your mouth. <laughs> he didn't have to make it so that we would have knacks and personalities and these bends to actually enjoy the things that we do. He could have just said, work it. Here's the ground, cultivate it. And that was it. But he made us actually to enjoy the things we're working. Uh, he didn't have to make procreation such an enjoyable process. Oh, come on. Like we have children's church. If you want to go put your kids in kids' church, like we're going to talk about the things the Bible talks about in here. Amen. Like that process could have been very dull, not exciting at all. And the goodness of God to make that thing uh, enjoyable as well. Amen. So you think about this, like he's been so good. He's poured out so much goodness and generosity in so many ways. And then you think about all those gifts that I just mentioned. He gives those even to the people who despise him and curse his name. You can be completely against God in the way you're living your life and still enjoy a good steak. Still, still love people, still enjoy the things that you get to do. Like he's so generous. If you want to just like look out through the Bible, like there's, there's something that happens in the garden where God gives and he creates and he makes and he cultivates this wonderful, beautiful garden and Adam and Eve take from the one thing that they, that he, they couldn't have. He said, here is this garden, and they take. He gives, they take. If you want to wrap up Israel's story into, into one phrase, God gave them everything. He, called, he made them a people. He gave them a land. He entered into relationship with them. He gave, and he gave, and he gave, and they neglected. They neglected it. 
They turned away. They turned, they did this. They did that. They didn't follow after him. They didn't do the things that he called them to do. He gave, they neglected. And for us sitting in this room today, like God has given himself to us. He's made himself available to us. He showed us a way to live. He showed us things to do. And we constantly find ourselves in rebellion. Yet God so loved the world that he gave. He's generous. He's so over the top generous in the things that he does. And this is, this is what we get caught up into in church is we get so bent around the axle of, well, how much do I need to give back? And so we have this like argument around a tithe, right? And you have some scholars. I mean, there, there are scholars on both sides of the tithing fence. Is the tithe for today? Is that something we should still do? And so let me just kind of stop here and unpack what tithing actually is for a second. Because what the tithe is, is, is it's simply, it literally means a tenth. And where we see it most clearly is in the law. God, God gives this command that, that there's going to be this, this priesthood, the Levites, and they're not going to have any inheritance, any share in the inheritance. And so he creates really like this tax. He says, you all are going to bring a tenth of whatever you produce. And there's lots of different categories that they're going to tithe on. And they're going to bring a tenth of the things that they produce. They're going to bring those to the temple. And that's going to be the tithe that we see in the Old Testament. But what's interesting is the tithe actually shows up before the law, in the law, and after the law. So you got Abraham and Melchizedek. Look up that story when you have the time. We don't have all the time to go into it. Basically, God is over the top generous to Abraham. And so he just responds. There's no command to. There's no, there's no rule that he has to. But his response to encountering the generous God that we serve is, here's a tenth of my stuff. And he just, and he just surrenders a tenth of it. And then you have it in the Old Testament. I was even struck in the Old Testament, the generosity of God. Look at this verse in Leviticus. Yeah, there's a good verse in Leviticus, everybody. Let's check this out. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. So he's like, don't harvest, don't take it all. Don't have this mindset of take, take, take. It's not trying to protect everything. It's not trying to guard everything. He says, but instead you shall leave them for the poor and the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. The generosity of God to say, hey, don't even take it all, but leave some for those who are traveling among you. They're in his people. It's not even the people he made a covenant relationship with and he's generous to them, right? So the, law, the, the concept of tithing also shows up in Jesus's life. Jesus, when he's rebuking the Pharisees, he's saying, um, woe to you Pharisees for you, for you tithe on mint and cumin and dill. And so I don't, when you, when you read that, I don't know where your mind goes. I'm like, oh, those Pharisees, they got like a little herb garden above their sink and they're like trimming off a tenth of their stuff. And like, I'm just like, what, what is this? But Jesus' point, he's saying, you're tithing that, he's following these minute details, but you're neglecting the weightier matters of the law. You're neglecting mercy and justice and righteousness. But his response is saying, so don't do the other. He's saying, you ought to do both these things. You ought to do both. Just don't, don't get so wrapped around what the like finite amount that I need to give is or the defined amount that I need to give is. And actually, you need to pay attention to the people around you as well. So, so tithing, what it is now in modern day, there's lots of Christians that practice this practice. And it would be giving a tenth of your income to your local church to support that church in equipping the saints for the work of ministry and building up the body of Christ here. And, and so, like, man, a lot of you guys give to this church. A lot of you guys tithe at this church. And, and what it primarily does, what we see all over the New Testament, is that what that's meant to do is to pay the staff and build out the temple in a way so that we can carry about ministry here. And so how Katie and I have always viewed 
viewed the tithe uh, ever since before we got married. We actually got in the habit of tithing before we got married. And I meant like when we got married, we were broke, broke. Like I'm talking like 400, 500 square foot apartment broke, half a, half a stove kind of situation. And, and there were two dishwashers in the house, actually. Heard me. You know what I'm saying? Like that's how it went down. Like we had no money, but we were tithing. We were committed to tithing. We were tithing to this church. So we've always tithed here. And, and so like, I just say that to remind you that like, I don't just, I don't just work here. This isn't just a job for me. Like this is my family. This is our church family. Like our kids are in kids ministry right now. Like, like we, we are in small group in this church. We are being built up, equipped, put together by this church as well. So man, our, our tithe has always gone here. But what we see is we see the tithe is actually the starting place for cultivating a heart of generosity that the spirit would call us to walk in. So the tithe ends up being the starting place for our generosity. And I think what the tithe ends up doing in, in, in the modern church is it ends up being a practice that we get to participate in. I really think you go back and forth arguing whether it's a, it's a must do. I don't think it's a must do for you to go to heaven. I think it's something we get to participate in. Just like Sabbathing, just like all these other practices where it's not a have to, it's a get to. I get to tithe. And what tithing does is it, it helps me see that like, man, okay, God has created everything. God has created it all. Unless I start getting this like entitlement or deserve or I earned mentality, I just want to hold my resources open-handed like this. Because man, my, like my tendency, I'm a human. My tendency is I look at my bank account. I look at a sale going on at Shields. I look at a car that I might want to replace my 94 Jeep can Cherokee with. And I start going like this. I start trying to close my hand around the things that God's given me rather than just continually going, no, God, it all belongs to you. See, Jesus is saying, if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is unhealthy. If your eye is healthy, then you'll, you'll actually see it right. We, we cannot see God as stingy. We cannot see him as limiting us. We got to see him as a good God, generous God, pouring out good gifts. And so our, the tithe then just becomes a response to what he's already done for us. And we just go, oh my gosh, God, you've provided so much in our lives. You've provided so much throughout the years. I, we were reflecting. We, uh, we got the chance to walk with the young adults through tithing. I'm actually so pleased with our young adults. Uh, we're, we're meeting up on Monday nights. If you want to get more information about that, talk to Caleb right there. He's the dude. But um, we, we're teaching that once a month. We talked about tithing. Man, we talked about politics back in November. Like we've been talking about some real stuff in that group. It's been fun. But, but man, just preparing to talk about tithing with that group, we were just so reminded that like we have tithed for years and, and that that hasn't just equated to us making God this like spiritual slot machine where now he's opened up heaven in our finances and I got a million dollars in a Bentley in the parking lot. Like that's, that's not what it is. But man, God has been continually faithful to provide everything that we need. And we've always just had opportunities to do different things. So like, um, I've told you guys a little bit about fostering. We fostered for a little while and uh, like Katie was working less hours. Like money was a little tighter during that time. And as that ended, we realized that you actually could claim the foster kids if you had them for more than half the year as a, as a dependent on your taxes, right? Anyone who's got kids and done their taxes, you're like, yeah, you need those kids on those taxes. Otherwise you're in trouble. And so, um, like we, we literally, we had no idea this was the rule. We found out like a week before filing our taxes. And like, we, we, uh, we had them for like six months in one day, six months in one day. And so we got to claim them as dependents. There was like money that was coming in. Like God's just, there, there's that example. There's so many examples I could share with you of how God just continually showing up, being faithful, providing everything that we need. And we have just always tried to continually tithing every month going, nope, you keep your fingers down. Like it is God who is in control, God who has provided everything. And how dare I get to this point where I'm actually like closing up my fist going, man, you know what? I earned this. I work hard. I shouldn't have to drive this Jeep that doesn't start when it's zero degrees outside, Right? 
but it's like the concept of I earned this entitlement concept. It doesn't, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you're producing, what you're doing. I, I just, I love you enough to say like, God gave you the brain that you take to work every day. Every time your heart's beat, it has been a gift from the Lord. Like every breath that you're taking is him going, I've got stuff for you to do. I've got work for you to do. And I'm not saying that that doesn't mean we work hard. I'm not saying that doesn't mean we pour in and go after it and we get after it at different times. I'm just saying, man, the call is actually to just go, okay, God, this all belongs to you. This all belongs to you. Um, so really, like I said, the concept of tithing is going to be pretty quiet throughout the New Testament. Um, and what we see instead is actually this like radical demonstration of generosity from the early church. And so in Acts chapter two, we read this, where the church is, they're, they're gathering together day by day. They gathered together, they were devoted. And it says this in that passage, all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So like I've, I've, said, I've joked about this before. This isn't some version of Christian communism, okay? Like, so just so everyone can relax a little bit. Like there's not some dude like telling them all what to do. It's just, these are people who are sold out on their faith. And as soon as they see somebody in need, they just would say, well, listen, like I don't, I don't love my stuff as much as I love you or care about you. So I don't need that and I'll meet your need instead. And, and if you pay attention to early, like, like early church history, what happened in ancient Rome is the church exploded in this time, even in the midst of some of the fiercest, sharpest persecution we've ever seen. I'm not talking about wearing masks, okay? I'm talking about lighting Christians on fire for entertainment at parties. And the church blows up. Literally, even figuratively, you know, you know what I mean? That was a bad choice of words. But the church, the church just moves through Rome, just takes over Rome. Why? Because they were radically generous. Like they were just meeting crazy needs. So there wasn't, there wasn't a welfare system in Rome. The government wasn't running to bail the marginalized out. It was the church who was stepping in. It was the church who was caring for the least of these. It was the, it was the church who was stepping in and helping the marginalized, helping the widow, helping the orphan. It was the church that was getting involved in these things. And so like you can be frustrated that they're, that like our country is drifting towards bigger and bigger and bigger in politics and making, making the government out to be this like big savior in the world that we're living in. But I think if you actually were to trace that narrative back far enough, you would go back to a time uh, maybe 50, 60 years ago where the church got really excited about making awesome Sunday services rather than getting involved with the least of these. And so the church punted on her birthright to care for the marginalized. And so the government stepped in to do what we ought to be doing. And like, you can, we can get lost in like all the, re I'm not trying to have a fight today. I'm just trying to say, man, we should own this. We should own this. It's our call to be generous to the world. It's our call to own the generosity of our savior to the world that we're living in. We get to reflect that. It's our privilege. Uh, Katie and I were struck with this verse out of First, First Thessalonians. We were reading, uh, trying to read a chapter every day during the fast. And this just kind of jumped out to us. Now concerning brotherly love, Paul's writing this. He's like, you have no need for anyone to write you. You guys are doing such a good job taking care of one another. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another, for that indeed is what you are doing all to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. In the next verse, he says, but we urge you, brothers. So Paul's saying, you're doing this so well. You're already so good at this, but I'm urging you to do this more and more, to live quietly, mind your own affairs, and work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. I, I love this. And it's been something we've just been looking at and considering as a family because we don't do this perfectly. Like we are not, we're not perfect at this, but we are aspiring to live a quiet and simple life. Why? 
so that we can, we, can, we can give our tithe with glad and cheerful hearts, but so that we can also live with some sense of financial margin. I read that passage and I think margin. So God's not against you having nice things. Not, God's not against you living in a nice house. God is absolutely for you though, having margin in your budget to help take care of the people around you. So I don't care if you're making $10,000 a year or $10 million a year, like you are called to live with margin so that you can care for people and live your life open-handed. Um, so I have, I want to just like kind of go to some practical steps here. So what do I like, because I think the response to this is like, so what do I do practically? What's a, what's a step for me to take practically speaking? And I think the first thing to do, like if consumer reports or if like credit card reports, if any of that is accurate at all for this congregation, uh, that would lead me to guess that there are some of you in this room who are just so cash strapped right now because of debt. I don't know how you got there. Maybe it was student debt. Maybe there was a medical emergency. But like my guess is like if we just look at all the data and we kind of port that over into our congregation, uh, there's some of you right here that you just are going, be generous. I'm struggling to put food on the table, man. And that, that's real. And, and the last thing that I want this to do is create some sense of shame or guilt in you. But I do think it's an invitation. I think it's an invitation to order your finances in a way that's biblically accurate that would lead you to go like, okay, maybe, maybe I don't need that other car. Maybe I don't need to live in this size house, right? So I, I, would, just, I would just invite you. There, there are people in this congregation, we have a list of about 10 people who are, who are, I would just say like personal finance, like they're just really, really good at it. I don't know if they're professionals, but they're just really, really good at it. And they would love to just sit down with you. And if you want their information, you ask me, ask anybody on staff, and we'll get you connected with someone who won't judge you, who won't, who won't be like, um, who won't be condescending or condemning towards you, uh, they might have some tough stuff to talk with you about. It might be hard, but like they'll invite you in. They're not going to sell you anything, okay? So like you're not going to like call one of these people up and find yourself in an Amway meeting somewhere. Like that's, that's not going to be what it is, all right? Like that, they're just, I've seen them walk for years with integrity with their finances and I think they could really help. If you want to get serious about getting some help, there are people in this room right now who would help you. And so let us know if you want to get some help. The second thing that I would say is to, is to have a conversation, either with your spouse if you're married or with some friends if you're single, and just sit down and have a conversation about your finances. Find some time this week to just look at what's coming in and what's going out. Because it might surprise you. Maybe like $600 a month on coffee or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, I, I know some of you right now are like, don't you dare come after my coffee, Pastor. <laughs> I believe that coffee is one of God's most greatest gifts of all time. I should have just started and stopped with coffee when I was talking about how generous he is, right? <laughs> but I don't want to be the kind of guy who just spends so much money and wastes so much money on, on frivolous things. And so even in, in my, our own budget, we're looking at how much we're spending on coffee, how much we're spending uh, the runs to Target. And so we're just considering, uh, do we need to simplify anything? And I, I would just invite you to have that conversation, either with a friend, either with a spouse. My only rule is when you have that conversation, neither one of you gets to play the Holy Spirit. Amen. Most fights in a marriage, most tensions are going to revolve around money and sex. And so like, I'm not trying to start a fight. I'm trying to have you guys both sit down with the level of integrity it takes to go, man, I really think the Spirit of God would have us do some thing, do, make some changes. And if you both come in with that posture and invite the Holy Spirit into your conversation, I think you could walk through it with a level of taking a next step. The last thing that I would say that you should try and consider is, is just like Taylor was saying, uh, Malachi 3.10. God says, test me in this. Test me in this. I, I, would just, I would just like give six months to just commit and go, you know what? We're just going to take that next step in our finances, whatever that looks like. Starting tithing 
starting being generous, living with some margin, starting like creating a, a little cash envelope that we can have as just our generosity fund, uh, giving something away, being intentional about looking for our needs to meet, like just take that next step. And I would say the last thing is just to test him, test him, like just commit, like, I don't know, three, six months, whatever it is, just test him in this. And, and here's the thing, as you, as you look, go throw that verse back up for me, Doug. It says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I think the danger when we read that is we try and turn God into this cosmic slot machine. And we go, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw my tithe in and hopefully he's gonna open up the blessings financially. I'll just say like, that's, that's not been my experience that I'm just, like I said, I don't have a million dollars sitting in a bank account somewhere. Like it's just, but God has been continually faithful. And, and it's great when like, when studies actually reinforce people who have an a, a abundance mindset, when they look out and see the world, when they have this generosity in them, those people are happier, healthier. They're, they're just better off in general in their physical health. And people who are, people who have uh, more of a, a limited view or more a scarcity mindset when they see the world. Those people are actually more stress-filled and stuff like that. And so when, I, when I'm saying test God on this, don't just look for what happens in your bank account. Look what happens to your heart and just go, okay, wait, am I, am I like, am I a little more freed up when it comes to finances right now? Am I maybe a little more trusting with God uh, owning everything and just co- like continually counting on the fact that he's going to provide? Because that's his vision for his people that we would walk with open hands according to the Spirit is going, okay, God, what would you have me use the resources that you've entrusted to me? I'm gonna steward them well. I'm gonna work hard for sure. Don't ever let me slip into this spot of entitlement or I deserve or I earn. But let me just say, God, thank you. Thank you for what you've given to me. And, that, and that's how we can say in worship, in, 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 that's how we give back in worship. We don't give back out of duty. There's this verse, we didn't use it. God loves a cheerful giver. He doesn't want you to give under this like this this sense of like feeling bad. That's why we don't pass a plate around here. That's why we're not taking an offering right now. And we, and we just kind of have this sense of like, man, yeah, if you want to give, you're going to figure out how. Like we're not going to make it just obvious for you. Like, just, you you'll figure it out. I believe in you. All right. Like it's not, it's not hard. So the idea there is like, we don't want you to give under compulsion, be looking around asking like, okay, wait, did they, did they put a check in down the line? I guess, right. How many zeros are on that? Oh my God. Okay. Hold on. Like that, let, let it never be here. We just want to be led according to the spirit to do the things that he's called us to do. Amen. Amen. Would you stand? I'm going to pray. And if you wouldn't mind, as we pray today, would you just, we don't always do this. Would you just kind of put your hands open in front of you to receive? Just kind of posturing your body in alignment with what's being prayed. God, I pray that you'd help all of us be more generous. Every single one of us, God. I pray that you'd help us walk in a level of generosity that reflects who you are to this world. God, help us not be stingy. Help us not be scared. But help us see that you are constantly providing. You are constantly caring for your people. If the sparrows have a place to make their nest, how much more are you going to care for us? So we should, I just ask that we trust you that we'd take a step, that we'd take a leap, and that you, would, that you would renew our hearts as you're transforming what we're seeing in the world that we're looking at. Jesus, we are gonna need you in this. And so we say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, inside of our hearts, inside of our minds, help us do this well. Help us have this conversation well this week if that's what we're gonna do. Jesus, we love you. We need you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, church, the prayer team's going to be up front here. Uh, If you have prayer requests for anything, they'd love to pray with you. Otherwise, uh, God bless you. We love you, and we'll see you next week.